0: You're home of the fans. WXDXFM, Pittsburgh.
1: During Game 3 of the American League Division Series between Boston and the New York Yankees last night, first base umpire Angel Hernandez had four calls challenged in four innings. Three of those were overturned. Yuck. Hernandez had 18 calls at first base challenge during the last three regular seasons. Uh, 14 of those were overturned. He lost on three of four last night. Hernandez should be removed from the series and the playoffs. Instead, Hernandez will umpire home plate in game four tonight. If a player performs in embarrassing fashion, he gets benched. But where's the accountability with umpires? What's it take to get pulled from an important assignment or fired? Replay fixes, but it rendered last night's game farcical. Hernandez is suing MLB, citing race discrimination as the reason he's not been promoted to crew chief, nor received World Series assignments since 2002 and 2005. The case is still pending, but MLB should submit video of last night's atrocity as Exhibit A. Yo, Angel Hernandez, you suck, and that is not subject to review. And MLB sucks for letting Angel Hernandez continue to suck. Guess what? Both of you, Angel and MLB, you just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing, on a name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. A fellow Latino took Hernandez to task on TBS's postgame show. It was Hall of Fame pitcher Pedro Martinez, and he said, quote, Angel was horrible. Major League Baseball needs to do something about Angel. It doesn't matter how many times he sues Major League Baseball, he's as bad as there is, unquote. Uh, he re- he umpires home plate tonight. Obviously, they know, because of the computer graphic, how many calls each ump gets right or wrong. They know that the minute a call is made. Angel Hernandez is right 91% of the time on balls and strikes, and that's just not good enough. They need to go with the computer strike zone to make the calls initially. You want to leave ups on the bases, okay, because replay can fix it. But the idea is to get all the calls right, to get the calls right every time. So uh, last night was just a joke. I I didn't watch much of the game because it wound up 16-1 to in favor of Boston, but Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen umpiring that bad. Like call after call made by the same guy is getting appealed and his calls getting overturned. Like I said, it was farcical. And people talk about the umpires union and taking out the human element and men lose their jobs. If that could happen to somebody who works in a cubicle, why can't it happen to a major league umpire? It's happened to men and women all across America. Computers and technology taking away their jobs. Why can't that happen to umpires? Why are they protected when so few have been protected in such fashion? 412 I 9939 I'm saying this with great trepidation because I don't want anyone to give any spoilers. I've not yet seen the finale of Better Call Saul, the season finale. Okay, Bob McLaughlin slapping his forehead in shock. I I gotta see it tonight. I gotta catch up on the purge too. I'm all caught up on the deuce, I'm all caught up on ballers, which just gets worse and worse. You know, I, I said before, uh when when Russell Brand was part of the series, Ballers for the first half of it this year about, you know, I said that you know he looked like a great actor next to next to Rob Cordry in The Rock. Because The Rock's not an actor. He's an action star, and there's a difference. The Rock's not taking serious roles. He's not, uh, you know, Academy Award material. And then Russell Brand kind of dropped out of the series because his character got bought out of the company by, by The Rock and Rob Corddry. Last night he returned, and once again, he's in the scene with Rob Corddry. Rob Corddry so bad, Russell Brand looked like Sir Lawrence Olivier. He looked like Charlton Heston, just, just an unbelievable, uh, just negative comparison, negative toward Rob Cordry. Let's go to Wild Bill and Calvary.
0: Hey now, Mark. Hey, what's hey now,
1: deal?
0: you think is A.B. going to get suspended for this domestic violence?
1: Oh, I don't think that's domestic violence.
0: I mean uh it's right in line. I mean, I know he's not getting press charges or arrested, but you know, is he Well, he, he didn't he didn't hit not. a
1: bro, he didn't hit a woman. And that's what we consider to be domestic violence. Now, if you want to say does he merit suspension under a violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy, that's different. But lump it with domestic violence, I don't like how that reflects on uh, women who get assaulted in legitimate domestic violence cases. I mean, true, this guy right. threw a couch and almost hit a 22-month-old kid, but uh, it's a different situation. One that's bad, but a different situation. And like I said, if that Ottoman had hit the 22-month-old kid, forget about suspension, forget about lawsuit, Antonio Brown oh, yeah. goes down for manslaughter. Yeah. And i got to figure the Israeli Special Forces guy probably just kills him. You don't want to mess with him. Shalom. The Let's go to Jeff and Overbrook. Jeff, you're on with Double M.
2: Hello, Mr. Madden. Right. Hey, I'm a carpenter, and my buddy got arrested for throwing his tape measure off a building. Why did he throw a tape measure off a building? Well, he was throwing it at someone he was arguing with. But listen, it's a felony in Pittsburgh to drop anything off a building. I mean, that was an accident. Not if you're a
1: stealer, it's not.
2: I mean, he should be in jail, man. And what if he did hit that kid? That'd be a totally different story. Oh, no kidding. No no I mean, kidding, but
1: if, he doesn't, does, you know, if, let me tell you, Antonio Brown thinks he can do things and get away with them because he's Antonio Brown. And why would he think any different? He missed the meeting I, and still played the next game. He's acting was, like an ass nonstop for several years, and nothing bad has happened to him because of it. I'll tell you, if I'm Pepsi, if I'm Pizza Hut, I pull my ads with Antonio Brown and fire him. you got a guy nearly killing a 22-month-old kid. You wanted to sponsor your pizza or your cola? If that was my kid and it didn't happen, what if it did? You know what I mean? He should be in jail. I say that about everything. It didn't happen, but what if it did? Let's go to Six Cents. Six. You're on with Double M.
0: Yeah, Mark. Uh I got two questions. One is aren't the referees and umpires, aren't they professional people that have jobs? They, they no, the only times? sport
1: the only sport where the officials have other jobs is the NFL.
0: Okay, and my other question is, back in the day, Ernie Holmes shot a state police helicopter. They covered it up, so what's gonna happen with this? And I'm gonna hang up now. Well
1: that doesn't mean that A B should get a free pass, does it? Hello? Hello? Oh, you're going to hang up now. Okay. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Don't forget we have Paul Coffee at the bottom of the hour. So if you want to get your calls in about this A-B situation, now's the time to do it at 412-333-WXDX. Does A-B need therapy? Should the Steelers stage an intervention? Should the NFL suspend him? What should be done about Antonio Brown and his path of rage, his trail of chaos. 105.90X. Friends.
0: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Good day, Mr. Madden. Good day. Hey, Mark, I want a sugar daddy. Double M, nothing. How about all at once? The X at 1059.
1: We got Paul Coffee at the bottom of the hour, and we got a giveaway for struts tickets also at the bottom of the hour, so keep it right here. On the X. If you're just tuning in, uh, we've been talking about Antonio Brown and the situation he's in in Florida. Uh, Two lawsuits have been filed revolving around him allegedly throwing furniture off the balcony of his 14th floor apartment. Uh, It almost hit a 22 month old kid and that kid's granddad. The guy suing is the father of the son of the 22-year-old kid, rather. And he's a former member of Israeli Special Forces and a leading real estate magnate in Miami. So he has more money than AB. He's tougher than AB. He's not going to disappear or take a check to go away like some baby mama. So, uh, I know this is going to be the end of AB, but uh, this could cost him. Because if what is alleged to have happened, did, that ain't good. That's reckless endangerment. But A.B., in a way, is lucky because, uh, from what the story tells us, uh, an item was just a couple feet away from hitting the 22-month-old kid, and if it hits him, the kid dies, and then A.B. goes down for manslaughter. Let's go to Harry in the car. Harry, you're on with Double M.
0: Um. You know, I'm going to bring it
2: up. What's what uh, if he were white? You got, you got Ben getting vilified, reporters following him all the way down to Georgia. Then you got Jeff Reed smashing a paper towel dispenser. He got trashed everywhere.
0: Okay,
1: what I don't get what your point is.
2: Uh, my point is that uh, these guys, I don't know, these guys are getting away with everything.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're not.
2: They don't want it to. Does, it has
1: nothing to do with race. Ben didn't get away with anything. Ben didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, but I mean, what's he? I mean... Or you could hang up. I don't know how many times this has to be said. Ben was never questioned, never charged, never arrested, never anything. Can we leave that to F-go? F-F-S. Guy won two Super Bowls for you, was wrongly accused, and maybe A-B is wrongly accused too. We'll have to ask the Ottoman. Let's go to Kevin in Beaver Falls. Kevin.
0: Yes, Mark, thank you. What do you want? My call. Okay. This guy needs. This guy needs help. This is a sick cry for help. How many years does he have left on his contract?
1: Do you know. Well, it, it's more about how many years he has left on his career. He's thirty years old. I'd say he's lucky he has another year, even in his prime. In fact, maybe his prime's already run out. If you look at how it's gone for him so far this year. So,
0: well, well when football ends within three or four years, he's going to be broke from alimony. And everything else that he has done, stupid. And uh, put, put it this way: have... I don't
1: think he has the money to last a lifetime the way he spends it, and with all the kids he's piled up.
0: Well, he's got what five kids to three different women? I'm not sure to how
1: many different women. I, I thought it was four kids, but then there were five at the uh, at the news conference because you can't really do a good post game press conference unless all your kids are gathered around you.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. I guarantee you, he's going to be a footnote in three or four years. He's going to be broke. And they're going to be saying, poor old Antonio. I I won't be, but let's
1: hope for better than that. He deserves better than that, but he's got to handle himself better. And the first key would be to have therapy because he's clearly nuts. He's clearly off his rocker. Seriously, who throws furniture off a balcony randomly? Let's go to uh, Brian in Greensburg. Brian, you're on with Double M.
0: Good day, Mark. How are you? I said good day. Thank you. Uh, you said uh, that was in what? He threw an ottoman off the 14th story yeah, Allegedly floor? an
1: ottoman, uh, two vases, and a few other items of furniture. Yes. All right. And did you also say there was video of this? I think there's security cam footage, but I don't know what it's of. I've not seen it.
0: Because I'm, I'm just I have a hard time, not necessarily believing the whole story, but you got to have some evidence to back this up, and I'm curious what... I don't know, um, maybe the ottoman and the vase is
1: flying off the balcony and almost hitting a kid and a grandpa?
0: Yeah, but you know how some people exaggerate stories.
1: Right, they made this know, up, you're right. A.B.'s totally innocent because God yeah, knows he's done that. nothing unstable to make you think this is believable.
0: It's, like, it's just like the people make accusations and against... Famous people, politicians, or whatever, but they got nothing to back it up except
1: yeah, except for the shattered furniture next to the effing swimming pool. You idiot! <laughs> I, no, don't laugh. I'm laughing at you. I wish I could come out there and smack you across the face with I don't know a, a Ming vase, Dynasty vase, something expensive, not 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 too, uh, uh, too uh, you know tasteful is what I'm saying. Serious. Oh, you're right. A.B. catches passes so he can't do anything wrong. Yay, A.B. Yay, A.B. You people talk about him being broke in five years? You let him keep behaving like this. Broke's the best thing he'll be in five years. Maybe a gun in his mouth. Unbelievable. Oh, video This just in. Video proves the furniture came from his apartment, that it was thrown off his balcony. I bet Ben broke in and did that to make A.B. look bad. Up next, we're going to talk to Paul Coffey, the all-time Penguin great, but now caller number nine, number nine, number nine, gets tickets to the X kick-ass Christmas show. That's December 1st at Stage A.E., headline by the Struts. Caller number nine right now wins here on 105.9 The X.
0: Dumb.
2: This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. My
1: guest right now is a four-time Stanley Cup champion and three-time Norris Trophy winner as the NHL's best defenseman, as well as an all-time Penguin great. It's always a pleasure to welcome to the show Paul Coffey. Uh, Paul, thanks for taking the time. Chris Letang recently passed you as the Penguins' all-time leading scorer among defensemen. I know you're a fan of the Tang, so I'm guessing you're not all that upset about that.
2: I'm actually yeah, I'm actually very happy. I mean, records are, are made to be broken. It couldn't happen to a better guy. I can remember years gone by when I came into Pittsburgh to get in, inducted into the, the Penguin Hall of Fame, so to speak, and I remember sitting up in the press box uh, doing with Bob Erie, and he was doing the game, and I said, who's that number 58 out there? He says, you like him? I said, yeah, yeah, he's good. So it was Chris's first year, and I've been a fan of his uh, ever since I laid eyes on him. And uh, a great player and a great kid, and I'm real happy for him.
1: It's so tough to compare across eras, but do you see any similarities between you and Latang?
2: I, I like everything about him. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he can skate, he can shoot, he can pass, he understands the game, he respects the game. and You know, I had a conversation with him in the dressing room a couple of years ago. Uh, I was sitting with Rick talking when he was with the team and Chris come in and he was a little bit upset after a game and this and that and, you
0: know and I
2: said I said, I didn't say a word and he talked to him and said to me what do you think and I said well I said, I said Chris you, you, I mean you're playing with you with know you're playing with uh, with uh, two great great hockey players I I was privileged to play with some good players as well I said you, you need to get them the puck you need to get the puck from them and don't be afraid to shoot the puck and you know, he's just a very very great student of the game and I uh, and, and couldn't be more happier for him.
1: Well, Tang's also a fan of yours, Paul, and has often said so. I'm sure you like that, and as you just mentioned, you have spoken on a few occasions.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, I, I love the game of hockey. I'll continue to love the hockey game of hockey. I think it's the greatest game in the world, but when you run into a young guy like Currency, he's not, he's, you know, he's getting 30 years old now, but when he was a kid and just the respect he gave me when i was talking to him was pretty cool because some guys unfortunately you, you don't get it but you know he's a very respectful kid loves pittsburgh loves to win uh and, and loves everything about the game and then loves and studies the players that played before him and i've got a lot of time for guys that act like that
1: it's amazing how hockey changes over the years paul and as you said before a coach just wouldn't let you play today like you did back when would he
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that, uh, I think, I think the game has definitely changed and as players, as coaches, as fans, whatever, you got to change with it. And I think that, uh, you know, I loved the game the other night when, you know, when Chris got the overtime winner there, there was a lot of goals scored by the Penguins. And, you know, last time I looked, there's not too many people leaving the building when there's games like that. That's excitement. That's what they want to see. And, you know, they've done a great job in Pittsburgh over the years, of course, with the the talent they have, and, and Sid and guys like that, and, and I often say the same thing to you know Connor McDavid, who's a a great hockey player, and you know I said but Sid's not going anywhere. You know he's still, if he stole. If you want to be the best, you got to go through his door first, and that's what that's what makes that franchise so good.
1: Now I just want to note, Paul, when you got your four hundred and forty points for the Penguins, it only took three hundred and thirty-one games. Uh, you really piled them up. That was some uh, firepower you guys had, wasn't it?
2: Well, a lot of it had to do with sixty six for sure i mean it hit the, uh, the hidden the hidden the hidden the tangible for me coming to Pittsburgh, and I never what to betray me there and they said you're you know it doesn't matter who said it, but they said you're never going to win again and I said, uh huh I said, I just can't play with a kid in a can cup in eighty seven it's a damn good hockey player and, you know Mario is just so so talented as well as well as everybody else in that club and when you play with good players and you think like good players, you can uh you could put the points up. The game was uh, the game was a little different. I wouldn't say it was better or worse, but uh, the guys were maybe a little more creative back then and good things happened. I mean, everybody checks a little bit closer right now. It's a little bit tighter, but, you know, for Chris to, to get there and, and, and have 440-some-odd points now, I mean, he's still got a lot of runway left, and I expect some great things out of him going forward.
1: Now, you played with both Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux in their primes, Paul, and you were in your prime as well. If those two guys played today in their primes, what kind of point totals would they rack up? What are the
2: variables? Well, it's it's no different than me. You know, people always ask me if you played in today's game, how many goals do you pick each for? And I said, I don't know, probably 15. And the guy said to me, is that it? And I said, well, I'm 57 years old. (laughs) But a guy like, listen, a guy like Mario, a guy like Wayne, they can play in any era. I mean, they're just the... They just they they command the puck, they command respect, they command the ice, and their vision and their thought process when they played the game is second to none, and that's why those two are as great as they were. Yeah, I
1: think their numbers go down some if they play in this era, but I'm not sure they go down that much. And, and frankly, Paul, I think the same would apply for you.
2: Well, I mean, listen, as a former guy, we can say all we want, well, there's <laughs> no hit, this and that, this and that. But, the, I mean, the game is faster, everybody can skate, you know, everybody knows where they're going on the ice, but guys like Mario Wayne, they'd still be, they'd still be north of a hundred points all year round. I think you're going to start seeing more of that stuff in the league right now. I think with two players, Johnny Travaris and, and Matthews, they got in Toronto here, and of course, Sid and, and Geno in Pittsburgh, and and Drysadle and Connor in Edmonton. I mean, guys just need to continually, continually push themselves. And if, if the entertainment value gets up, and these guys want to score; they can.
1: We're talking to Paul Coffey, all time Penguin great, here on the home of the Penguins, 1059 The X. You won cups in Edmonton and Pittsburgh, and those were two dynasty level teams, Paul. I-, I don't want you to pick which team's better. That's unfair. But what was similar and what was different between those two teams?
2: Well, well the similarities are very simple 99 and 66. Anytime you got your. Anytime you got your best player being your hardest worker and and your your best teammate on your team, good things aren't going to happen. And Wayne was, for me, you know, until I came to Pittsburgh, the most unselfish hockey player I've ever played with. I mean, you know, we sit and and Mario was the same thing. I often talk about, you know, Wayne and Mario both passing puck to a jersey. It didn't matter who you are if you were wide open. But I often snickered to Wayne and said, during that Canada Cup in 87, I said, I always thought you were the most selfish, unselfish player ever, but you, you passed to Mario instead of
0: uh who would have had
2: open that. Of course, Wayne said I had to go with the odds. But, you know, the, similar, the similarities were those two guys, the greatness, and, a, and unbelievable on both teams, an unbelievable supporting staff. South. I mean, we had great goaltending at Edmonton, at Grant, and Andy Moog, and Tommy Brasso was phenomenal in Pittsburgh, but... No, if you're if your best player isn't your best player every night you just you're not gonna win. we had that in Pittsburgh and we had that in Edmonton.
1: Do you ever think we'll see dynasties in, in hockey again, Paul, with the salary cap?
2: It's hard to see, but you guys just kinda went through it in Pittsburgh winning two cups two years in a row. I mean, to me that's a modern day era of dynasty for sure. You know, are you gonna get five in a row? I don't think so. I mean, there's no great teams, and just a lot of real, 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 real good teams that can, you know, you can miss the playoffs one year and win the Stanley Cup the next year. It's kind of crazy, but, you know, again, what you guys just went through in Pittsburgh was, to me, a modern-day uh, dynasty, for sure. As I mentioned
1: at the top of the interview, Paul, you won three Norris trophies as the NHL's best defenseman. The first two were in 85 and 86 with Edmonton, but then you won again in 95 at age 33 with Detroit. How gratifying was that to win a Norris at 33 and nine years after your previous one?
2: It was nice, but the thing that bothers me is I never won a one in Pittsburgh. I thought I had some decent years there, but, I mean, the minuses weren't where they should have been. But our team was a bit of a high-scoring team. But, I mean, any time you win a major trophy for your position, I mean, it's gratifying for sure. It's it's not an individual thing. You, You have to play with great teams to... So get those honors, but for me, and, and I think any player will tell you the same thing. Sid will tell you, uh, Chris will tell you, you need you try to be as consistent as you can, game in and game out, and that's what separates the good from the uh, the good from the greats. That's for sure. Uh,
1: the Penguins are, are one and one to start. They're allowing a lot of goals, but they scored uh, seven goals in the opener against Washington. Uh, good players obviously want their stats. Was that the case when when you played Paul at the beginning of the seasons? Did the good teams you played for start out? A bit sloppy, maybe a bit too offensive, like Pittsburgh right now.
2: Well, you got to remember, in our era, it was totally different. Because if you didn't score, you didn't get paid. That's just that's just the way it was back then. It's a stat driven, stat driven league. It was a stat driven contract. Time you got paid if you put the numbers up, and that's the way it was. But you got to be careful. And I know Sully uh, knows as well. You got to be careful. Uh, deferring the goals I mean goals are goals are great to get they're hard to come by so I mean you can sit there and say they're a little bit loose but as long as you're scoring goals it's very easy to tighten up defensively I don't think it's that hard but scoring goals is the hard part so you got to be careful with your players and not uh, not get too hard on them about that
1: now you worked on the Edmonton coaching staff last year Paul uh what was that like for you I know you've done uh coaching sporadically since you retired
2: it's fun. I've coached my two boys all the way up and uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun last year. The Oilers uh, called me up and wanted me to help out and do some different stuff and I continually do that. It's great. You know, everybody can have the conversation that uh, you haven't coached you haven't played in 30 years and the game has changed and I'm going to tell you right now, the game has not changed. Players are players. There's five guys on the ice. Unfortunately, what has changed a little bit is is, is people around it making it a little more difficult than it is. And you know, you, you look at Sully coming into Pittsburgh a couple of years ago, not a not a shot towards the previous guy, but I mean, that team was in disarray. got everything organized, and you know, told are my best player, I need to be my best player. And I, I still think that's a huge part of the game: building relationships with players and, and telling the game how it is. And that's what I've uh, I've tried to do in Edmonton. I'm working with some of the younger kids right now, and. Colleges and junior and stuff like that, and I really enjoy it.
1: And finally, uh, Paul, you skate occasionally in old-timers events, and I've seen you a few times at Mario's Fantasy Camp. You used to wear skates that were two sizes too small to get a better feel. Do you still do that?
2: Uh, for starters, it's not old-timers. It's alumni hockey. I'm
1: sorry. I, I apologize, Paul. My bad.
2: I'm only kid. Yeah, you know what? i tried, tried to wear bigger skates, but I can't skate them. I mean, they're not as tight as they were. I used to jam my feet in, in Pittsburgh, that's for sure. But I, I still need them tight. And, and uh, yeah, we just kind of go out and hack around. But I actually really do look forward to coming into Pittsburgh every year and taking part in Mario's Fantasy Camp. It's a lot of fun.
1: Paul, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Always a pleasure to have you on. And maybe we'll see you at the Fantasy Camp this year. Thanks again.
2: Yeah, I'll be down in uh, Toronto next week to congratulate Chris in person.
1: Perfect. Good talking to you, Coff. Thanks again. Okay, bud. That is Paul Coffey. Always a pleasure to talk to him. And uh, one thing to make real clear: when when Paul came here from Edmonton in that trade, that was a big step in making the Penguins what they became. Because the Penguins were starting to assemble some real good players. You know, like obviously Mario. They had Barrasso. They were you know had the young guys coming in. They got Stevens. Uh, eventually they made the big trade for Francis and Olfi, but Paul Coffey was a proven winner. And one thing that drove him that he touched on was when he came from Edmonton to Pittsburgh, people did tell him, well, you're never going to win again. And Coffey said, well, we'll see about that. And uh, he came to Pittsburgh and he made it happen. Uh, definitely an all-time Penguin. Great. Relatively short stay. But I consider Paul Coffey probably one of the five most important players in Penguins franchise history, and I do not say that lightly. Uh, Milan from Monroeville won the struts tickets. Congratulations to him. And now it's time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX and ask Mark anything.
0: 10- and now the super genius, Mark Madden.
2: Double M, hey, super
1: genius, big, big fan. See, you're just screwing with me. You're doing a good job, but you're just screwing with me, right? The X at 105.9. Time Not to Ask Mark Anything brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and chop house, so be sure to check out Chapino in the strip. Thanks to Paul Coffey for joining me. I thought that was a uh, really entertaining interview. And him and Tang are, are pretty good friends, so uh, I think uh, if some, if Paul had to be passed by somebody as the all-time points leader among Penguins defensemen, I think he's glad it was... Number 58. By the way, tomorrow. (laughs) How cool is this? They are at Jurgles one week from tomorrow as part of their reunion to our first time in got to be 20 years. From the band Kingdom Come, it's guitarist Danny Stagg. Real name, Danny Steigerwald. Yes, the brother of John, Paul, and Bill. It's Danny Stagg from Kingdom Come. They were big for a bit. They were on Monsters of Rock at Three River Stadium. Get it on. Everybody thought it was Zeppelin. Haven't come back. That's Danny Stagg tomorrow. Right now it's time to ask Mark anything. Let's go to Bob and Liberty Tunnels. Bob, you're on with Mark.
0: Hey, Double M. I uh, loved the interview with with Paul Coffey. And and when you mentioned he's one of the top five most important penguins, I agree, but i got to know who your other four are.
1: Well, I kind of said that off the top of my head. The only ones I can think that are clearly more important are Sid and Mario. Yeah, I agree. I you can't think what? of anybody else who is clearly uh, up there with Sid and Mario. I mean, I, I no. guess Yager would have to be there. Probably Malka would have to be there. And then maybe Coffee, Ron's at the top five. What say you?
0: Well, it's tough because it's not the five best Penguins. Because I would agree that that puts Gino in there, um, but if you go most important, it's different because you know Malkin's second. You know, he, he's just he's not Crosby, even though he's incredibly gifted and he's a great player and he's in the top five best. But Kevin Stevens has to be for me one of the top five most important Penguins. No, he's no, not
1: not compared to the five I named, and I love Artie, and he helped win those two cups. But but the four best players are Lemieux, Crosby, uh, Malkin, and Yager. I can't put mm-hmm. Koff above any of them because he was here for such a short time. But without Koff, they don't win that first Stanley Cup. Without Koff, the franchise doesn't decidedly turn around like it did. Let's go to Rick in Dormont. Rick, ask Mark anything. Rick, you there? <laughs> No. Leaves the line open, four one two three three wxdx Let's go to Will in the truck. Will, ask Mark anything.
0: So what's going on, Double M? Ask me anything. I uh, shall. So uh, we're getting back onto the same subject about the significance of uh, players that came here. Growing up watching the families in the 70s when they had nobody and then seeing Lemieux come here and seeing all the greats that you only wish would come here, like coffee and Francis. Where, where would you put Francis in uh,
1: importance? Uh, that's a good question, because he, he was a catalyst in that first cup season, that's for sure. Okay, yeah, for and he sure, won a second yeah. one, too. But I, I don't put him in the class with the five I mentioned. Not quite. Don't forget, when you've had a team that has had so many great players in five Stanley Cups... There's going to be a lot of tight calls when you try to categorize, which is honestly why I've always preferred to not categorize. I just brought it up today because Koff was on the show. But, uh, see, to me, let me ask you this. Uh, They retired Michelle Breer's number, who only played one year and then passed away after a car accident. He played in 1969-70, and I saw him play. What other Penguins, Lemieux's numbers retired, what other Penguins numbers would you retire?
0: that's a that's a heck of a question see to me it's an easy
1: one the only one I would retire is Crosby I like the I like the fact that it's always been an almost unattainable honor in Pittsburgh and I think Lemieux and Sid are at the very pinnacle one two in that order Lemieux and Sid and just leave it at that that doesn't mean the guys who don't get their numbers retired weren't great players you have the the Ring of Honor, whatever that, you know, the Hall of Fame, the, the stuff they use to honor guys. But the only numbers I would retire would be Briere, Lemieux, and Sidney. And honestly, if I could go back and unretire Breer's, it was tragic that he passed away. That's not how I would do business. Just isn't. Let's go to – my screen is failing me. Let's go to uh, Bob and the car. Bob, ask Mark anything.
0: Hey, Mark, how you doing? Good. Hey, uh, your appearance on DVE on the Wednesday morning show at quarter to ten, those ratings just have to skyrocket for them. Isn't that correct, sir?
1: I think their ratings are pretty much skyrocketed to that point.
0: But when you're there, I think they go even further. Don't you agree?
1: No, I don't agree. Thank you for the call. <laughs> by, by the way, i got to say, I, I really drilled down. Remember, I, I told you guys uh, last week that the ratings for September came in and I lapped the competition, the new team they put together over there. And those guys are both real good. So I'm not denigrating them, but my mastery is just out of control. God, I am so damn good and so far ahead, it's unbelievable. And where those guys made a mistake, what they need to do over at the B team is this. And somebody tell them I said this. They need to get like a million dollars a year and hire me, not just to be a personality on their station but to run their station, to be the program director. Because I knew when they just reshuffled the deck and had the same old people in different combinations, I knew that wasn't going to help because when you've had guys on the station as long as every single one of the people on their major shows have been, whether it's morning, midday, afternoon, Paul Zeiss is on at night. He's pretty good. He's relatively new as well to the radio biz. But all those other guys... No matter how good they are, and some of them are very good, everybody's already made up their mind about them. There was nothing to attract them to listen to the new combinations, because they've heard it all before. Just like they've heard me, and I am number one, and I am totally dominant, and I will be until the day I die, unless it falls apart before that. Let's go to Jim in Overbrook. Jim, ask Mark anything.
0: What's up, Super Genius? Go ahead. I uh, wondered what your take on was Triple H and Shawn Michaels teaming back up to fight The Undertaker. Are they in that much trouble? What do you mean in that much trouble? The WWE, they can't. Well, get they're, they're, their their Monday
1: night audiences are way down. Uh, but uh, that's for the Saudi Arabia show, right? Right. They're getting so much money on that they have to they have to deliver on those. And like they shouldn't go there. I mean, Saudi Arabia is an oppressive, anti everything government. That, that's that's not far from the Berlin Olympics, and I mean that very seriously. But, but, you know, they want the money, and, you know, they have to take all the women off those shows in Saudi Arabia.
0: The yeah, women can't perform.
1: I... They can't even mention the women.
0: Maybe that's why they're having that old
1: women pay-per-view in two weeks. Well, yeah, but that doesn't justify taking all the women off the show to appease a bigoted government. I always like well, when Steph talks about what progress the women's division has made and how it's opened so many doors. Well, apparently not in... Saudi Arabia, but go get the money anyway. What an exciting show. Char Valley Soccer tonight, head not. Come on, you Colts. 105.90X.